And that's the most frustrating thing with the clients that I've dealt with yeah. is the fact that they've gone into the workforce and they've come up against that is the fact that they get into a situation to where they have great ideas and they get into a corporation where they are not open to the new ideas. The millennial generation is as follows. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. Lots of cords and plugs. There's, yeah, it just... This just looks confusing to me. Oh, it's confusing to me. I don't even know how it happened. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Tony Dufresne, and this is where you get news and information and all sorts of fun stuff to help you rise above the unwashed masses, and live life on your own terms, because that's really what it's all about. So today I have a very special guest, millennial master, if you will, and uh, I want her to introduce herself and then to tell for her to tell you a little bit about herself. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Greco. Um, I am a millennial at best, definitely consider myself one of those. Um, I actually just turned 26, so I feel like I just fall into that age gap. Um, born and raised in Las Vegas, been out in Phoenix for two years now, and just living the dream. And the reason why I brought you on is because I was guided towards you. I was talking to a number of friends and whatnot, and your name came up in regards to the journey that you've gone through as a as a millennial. And, it, and if you don't want me to say millennial, because a lot of millennials don't like the term I use it as a term of endearment, and that's the reason why I did an entire show on why I think millennials are going to change the world, because I really do. I think you guys have your shit together more than any any other generation that I've ever dealt with, especially my Gen X generation or the baby boomers. Those guys are a fucking mess. But I think you guys have, have it together, so I use it as a term, but if you don't want to, that's okay. You can say you know whatever, just you're, you're 26. Me. But at 26, you're right in the middle. You're like yeah. dead center right in the middle of that. But your journey's great because you really – your experience, you've, you've really touched on every single thing that a millennial could, could touch on, you know, going to college, doing the student debt, you know, trying to get through that, trying to figure out what you want to do, getting out, trying to get into a job, getting, having a plan and then that not going really according to plan, finding yourself in a different city and then trying to get uh, like another job and then not being okay with that and then getting into another job. Lots of jobs. Right. But that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's why I wanted to bring you on because the today's topic is about really how to find the right job for you in, in like in context, which means how to find the right job for you as you are right now. Because if you look at yourself in 10 years or something, there it might be a whole different gig, but you don't know that until you get there. So it's going to be a matter of where you at now. Are you just out of school? Are you in a Are you in an internship? Are you in a job that you you do not like at all? Are you in one that, that you do like, but you feel as though you're not expanding? You know, I mean, all these different things with what happens with the millennials, what you guys are going through. So, I so we kind of got together and hemmed and hawed a bit about different stuff, and uh, there's a few things that uh, I want to talk about, and then I want to get into your personal experience on this kind of stuff because I think it reigns true. With a lot, with what a lot of your age group is going through, sounds fair to me. Sound fair to you? Okay. So the uh, so in terms of finding the right job, I'm going to start off with the internship thing because it and even even researching the internship stuff. Oh, first of all, before I go into that, it is a nighttime show, so we're drinking. So yes, yeah. Cheers. So salute. Right. Cheers to good wine. Oh, oh yeah, red and, wine. Yeah, is. exactly. Yeah, red wine. No, no, we don't do white. Not in this house. 
So I want to get into the internship thing. And the funny thing is, is that depending upon who you talk to, and we haven't talked about this because I wanted this to be really fresh and, and just, you know, new to me in terms of what your opinion is on this. It could go either way. As some people say, it's not a good idea. Even if it's paid, they say it may not be a great idea or it may be a really good idea because of the benefits. Now, uh, as a small example, uh, if you go to Forbes, and Forbes has an article that I'm going to put on the website. And in the Forbes article, uh, they are not down with the internship thing, even if it's paid, because usually the pay is crappy. And the reason why they don't like it is because it doesn't build the right skills, according to them. It doesn't build the right skills, uh, the pay is crappy or no pay. And according to the Atlantic reports, which they refer to another article, college students who worked unpaid internships were only 1.8% more likely uh, than those who had never interned to receive job op- job offers upon graduation. And their salary offers were actually lower than those who had spent their college years working in other jobs. Now, interestingly enough, conversely, I went and looked at an Elite Daily article and they had stats that completely... Uh, went against all of that stuff. And what they said was, it's good for the resume. It might give you a leg up on getting a job over someone without professional experience. It helps you to assess your direction maybe sometimes when you get into a job and you can see how that corporate, that brand new type of environment is. And it gives you networking opportunities. That's kind of that one side versus the other. I have a particular opinion on it, but I want to hear what your, maybe your experience. Did you internship? I did, yes. I did do an unpaid internship in college. Um, So I feel like my opinion or my personal experience, I'd probably ear more towards the elite daily side and Mm. taking what you can get, um, building that experience, building your network. And I think um, this goes for a lot of millennials, including myself. What you think you might be interested in is probably different once you look get into it right and so i think just having that exposure um and you know building out your skill base and just getting accustomed to maybe new ideas or new environments is important because um again what you think that maybe you want to go in the direction towards for your career path maybe once you get into it it's Mm -hmm. completely different than you thought and you you don't like it at all and so i think it's a great starting point um regardless of it's of it being paid or unpaid my vote is take it it's to take it even if it's unpaid Mm -hmm. if you can i guess because a lot of times if you don't have the opportunity to because if you have to make money then taking an unpaid thing is just take, throws you out of balance, and then you don't want to live in a cardboard box behind the Circle K, right? You know, if so you have to so you, situations right. allow you. To so do if that. if it allows you to do that, I I was always under the assumption that that it was okay if, and that's this is my uh, I think I think more towards Elite Daily as well. I think it's a really good idea. Actually, having I had a company and I had interns, mm-hmm. uh, and I hopefully did it the right way to where I knew that interns coming in, I wanted to help them to be exposed to uh, the environment, the business Mm -hmm. environment, which is a lot different than school, a lot different than what the theory is. If you go to classes and what they tell you, business classes are, it's ridiculous. Uh, But you get in, it's a whole different gig. And so that plus the fact that I wanted to help them to build essential skills to, to as a foundation to build off of. Now, a lot of times you get into a situation where you do an internship and you're getting coffee or you're doing, you know, it's basically slave labor. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that I would say as a caveat to everything. Mm-hmm. If you do get into an internship, if they start, you know, giving you that kind of stuff, then I would say bail. Yeah. Because that because really the essential reason why you're doing that is to gain experience in the the whole aspect of learning not only how the office environment is, but also uh, how the how to develop a skill set based upon the job that you're in. Exactly. And if you can't get that now, did you know? I'm assuming you got that where where you interned. Um, actually, no. So <laughs> it's kind of funny because. Oh well, do tell then. Yeah. Right. I uh, picked up this like it was with an exporting company in um, business school, and it was you know just something at least to put on my resume. To at least kind of get me out there on the job market or else I felt like I didn't really have anything to put on my resume, mm-hmm. which is another topic I think we want to get into. We're going to, yeah. Yep, a little bit later. But um, I got into it thinking, you know, this is at least going to be some assets and opportunities and skills that I can put on my resume. I think as long as you present it the right way mm-hmm. in that next job um, opportunity, it's beneficial. But it kind of went like, haywire <laughs> and i i've never really had like a bad experience with um like a job opportunity or as we're talking about here um these different types of opportunities but it it did like the lady like hated me and we had like just, a lot just, of miscommunication like, like, like right off the bat kind of yeah, yeah. i felt like she ha- had it out for me and i don't maybe it was because so, so, so you reminded her of the of the uh, girl who uh, punched her and took her lunch money when she was in third grade right type of exactly a thing. Right. okay but i mean if anything i remember i was talking to my parents about it like how, what am i supposed to do like i'm nervous showing up to this knowing she already has it out for me but it was a good great learning experience and i took it as like yeah a how tool. Did, good question how did you how did you handle the fact that you knew that you were going to go in and it was not going to be conducive. It wasn't going to be a good environment for you because it really was stacked in, in – somebody had a judgment of you already. Yeah. So how did you massage that? Well, it's kind of funny because I feel like this kind of relates to like that millennial idea, right? The lady – what had happened is she had um, left me a voicemail. And, you know, being millennials, we don't listen to voicemails. If you need something, text us, right? Yes, yes. I'm, very, fami- I'm very familiar with that exactly. routine. Exactly. Yes. So it was, it's kind of a funny situation. <laughs> so she, and I didn't get the voicemail because I didn't have my voicemail set up because no one uses voicemails anymore. Well, n- none, of, none of you guys use voicemails. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what happens. And so, um, you know, come to find out, I didn't do what she did. She told me to do in the voicemail. There was like no follow up after that. So come time for like the next day I had to meet for the internship. It wasn't done. I wasn't aware of it. And so she was very upset. Um, granted, it was a great learning opportunity for me to, you know, open my eyes that I need to be more attentive to this type of stuff. But um, I remember just going in that next time like I was nervous because I knew she already had it out for me. But um just realizing like I need to still put in my best work. Like it's, you know, still opportunities for me to expand and grow. And I can't, I need to take it, you know, with an open eyed, um, mindset mm-hmm. type of thing. When you got to, how long were you, did you do that for? It was for a semester. So it was pretty short. So did you, what's the biggest thing you got from everything from all that? What was the biggest learning or the biggest lesson you got from being there? I think it was that, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. You're going to have like disagreements. Um, and th- from that point forward, from 
that story, like we did have some like, you know, minor respectful, I guess, disagreements slash arguments. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's what's going to happen in the workplace and you need to learn to like carry on and do what you signed up to do. Yeah. Exactly. Great point. Yeah. Because it's not going to be exactly how you think it's going to be because it's not set up for you. It's set up for the company and whatever a manager's mindset is, or, or supervisor, that's what's going to dictate everything. It always comes from the top down. And you may not like it, but it, it's not set up for you to like. That's not the point. I deal with my clients a lot when they come in, especially my younger millennial clients. I come in and they have they have a fantasy expectation. I always call it writing the fantasy story, like the Cinderella story, well, how perfect it would be in the perfect situation. Well, great. We would all love to have the perfect situation going into a job, but it's not going to happen, especially in an entry level job and especially it because and I was I always talk to this uh, specifically to people that haven't had kids if you haven't had kids you don't know what it's like mm-hmm. but you can't you can't say oh yeah you're tired and that's terrible and yeah, great and all that but you don't know what it's and you and you do not know what the corporate environment's like or a work environment's like outside of college and I'm not talking about doing you know being a barista at Starbucks I'm talking like corporate or, or like a job mm-hmm. on that level you don't know what it's like until you get into it because it's a shit show. It is. It's, it's a total shit show. Right. It's an absolute, it's a mess. And there's a lot of politics that go on. And I don't care where you go. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't care where you go. It's going to be political. It is always political. Oh, absolutely. And I always. think I'm, you know, learning that in my career journey. Right. And I think like a good point is you kind of have to play the game, right? It's the light. Yeah, do that. that, If anybody takes anything from this entire show, I'm looking right into the camera. Take that. You got to play the game. And until until the game gets to the point where you are uh, compromising your own integrity or your own principles. And if that's the case, then you Audi 5000. (laughs) You just you just get the hell out of there. And I and I know it's. I don't want to be irresponsible because I always I always talk about you know having your foot in both worlds and being uh, financially responsible because because you have to be, but staying at a place where they're asking you to do something that's so contrary to who you are, or what your principles are, is is just not beneficial, and you're going to take all that energy and it's going to fuck you up. Oh, agreed completely. Like, I think it, there comes to a point, right, where you you still need to hold your internal values um, at the highest priority. And if, you know, maybe that a certain situation or something is compromising those values, there becomes like an internal conflict, right? Absolutely. And you can't do yeah. your best if that's and you you and you can't continue to push it down it's going to come up exactly and it won't be good and and if it doesn't come up in terms of you going like rage at work or just you know just going off the handle it's going to come up in terms of you being sick or you getting you know it'll be a physical ailment because that's what happens when you hold it in exactly i think a good point there is like kind of comes down to that self-awareness right Mm -hmm. you have to know like who you are as a person or you know what holds to be true for yourself and um it's the ability to like recognize like maybe this company is not meant for me because um you know their values and their operating principles are different than i had thought originally mm-hmm. and it's not just in a matter of like picking up and moving on quitting that day right it's still being mm-hmm. responsible um 
And, you know, if that's a matter of putting in your two weeks, but doing it the right way and finishing how you should, um, you know, with that effort and Mm -hmm. the efficiency that you should be working at um, as far as working capabilities go. Exactly. You should, so you should, you should show a level of maturity Exactly. and follow, unless, unless it's like, like crazy time where you're getting sexually assaulted or some totally, totally inappropriate thing like that. Then you just say, go fuck yourself and you bail immediately. And then you, you call all your friends and you tell them what happened. Not only do you do that, but you file with the better business bureau or whatever you do to make sure that, yeah, exactly. Well, wait a minute. First you get hammered. For, call your friends. Yes, have priorities. Them, have them come over. Yeah, let, let's let's chronological this. Call your friends. Have them come over. Get totally fucked up, and then the next day uh, have a just a really greasy In and Out burger, and then after that, oh, then greasy food is the must. Absolutely, and then after that, when you're kind of halfway co- coherent, then call and and report that motherfucker for doing stupid for doing crazy stuff like that, and then then you're fine. And th- because what's going to happen is if something that extreme comes up, you will find. You'll find support because people will rally around you because that's such an atypical situation uh, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Then I, 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 I really hate to see because I used to work back in the day when I was doing my, uh, my grad school stuff for mm-hmm. psychology. I was a supervisor of the interns at a halfway house for pregnant, uh, women that left their, uh, boyfriends or husbands or mm-hmm. whatever dirtbag that he was because they were being abused. So it was abused women's shelter for pregnant women. And, um, you know, the stories that you hear are terrible and they're terrifying because they stayed, you know, it's a battered wife syndrome. They stayed because they felt that they had to, they stayed because they felt that they didn't have any way out. They're trapped. They're trapped. But the reason that they're trapped is because they don't see other options in regards to bringing in support in any particular way. And that's what was so great about Heritage House in California mm-hmm. was, you know, one call and you can get in there and they'll take you in and they'll, you know, create, they'll help you with the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. That was the support if they didn't have family support. But that's the whole thing. If something's crazy like that in, in work, internship or whatever, get the hell out. Yep. Exactly. And yeah. And, but, but if that's not the case, which most of the time it's not going to be the case, then, you know, do the right thing. And because you're going to have to start playing the game. Right. And the game is put you two weeks in and or start looking for something while you're already in something, mm-hmm. you know, keep your, keep your balance. Yes. I mean, you have to, at the end of the day, you have to pay the bills and be responsible. So you do Quitting that day and not having something lined up. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit tight on money, it's probably not going to be the responsible way to do it. It will not, <laughs> not. So the second thing we want to talk about is what to look for in a first job or in like a next job, like a next step job. So let's say you got out of college or you just, or you got out of school and you're, you're looking for, and you got a job and it's like, eh, it's okay. And you, you've kind of reached your point to where you've gotten the most out of it that you knew, know that you can't, because everybody knows when that comes around, that point comes around. So after that, what do you look for in a next job? And there is a really good article in Business Insider that they go over certain things that you should look for in the next step. And they talk about, um, you know, uh, they talk about experience in terms of general business and specific business related to the company and office politics, you know, going into something and, and have, and having the ability to look at it differently from an office politics type of standpoint and looking and, and, and that has to kind of still align with you. Mm-hmm. the way that the office is set up. Uh, there has to be a potential for advancement. 
There has at least at least a little bit. I'm not saying potential for advancement up to the CEO because a lot of times that's not the case because everybody has and that's a political thing. The way that they have things set up, but there should be some level of of advancement because what that does is just it increases your skill set. Yes, and really that's what you're looking for. And then uh, benefits, which are not that great anyway right now, but you need to incorporate the whole benefit thing into your entire salary because if you, if they give you a salary of fifty grand and no benefits versus forty five grand in full medical, you're going to take the forty five grand the full medical. That's going to kick ass over mm-hmm. that 50 grand. Cause I guarantee you, I don't care what you say and you can be the healthiest person in the world. That's a better way to go. Yes. I agree. So you have to look at that. Uh, company history is a huge thing in looking at it in going into looking at any job. You got to look at see how they perform and, and go on, just do a search in terms of complaints and whatnot. And you'll find out if they're good to their people or not. Yeah. I think that was, um, like a big thing I realized and just like applying for jobs when I first moved to Phoenix was um, not only go on their website, but like go on, you know, all their media outlets, really get that feel for the brand, their, their brand mm-hmm. and what other people are saying about them. Right. Like go on and read those glass door reviews. Um, some will be negative. Some will be positive. But I think it's um, more of an authentic you don't have to totally align with the with the job or with the company. You don't have to totally align with it. And I think because I think that's kind of impossible, like expectations, right? Like, you're well, not especially with you guys, because you guys yeah. have. I'm telling you right now, and I, I tell all my clients this. You, I don't think you guys realize the level of expectation you come into things in terms of changing and making positive change, positive changes, and being environmentally conscious. You guys are so far ahead of the other generations that have come up. It's not even funny. So you have you set the bar so high mm-hmm. and then you go into a company that's been around for 150 years and they have a bunch of Gen Xers and baby boomers in there and management and they're they're creating SOP which is which is standard operating procedure and you guys will hear that term if you go into corporate standard or bylaws or whatever the or you know whatever the case mm-hmm. may be they've already set those and they've set those based upon the old paradigm you know the old foundation Oh yeah that's that's so huge I feel like I can totally relate to that point um, and I read this statistic on Forbes. I think it was that millennials are looking more for their boss to be a coach rather right. than yeah, they are. That, yeah. that manager, right? They yes. want um, them to lead them without micromanaging them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like <clears throat> that's so true for myself. And, you know, it's those standard operating principles. I think millennials come in and we bring to the table, why are we doing like why are we doing it? You like do, this, right? yeah. That, that's in so fact, old school. I know that's such a great thing. It. But you guys do. Yeah. You guys are the Y generation. I always call that. Everybody says Gen Y. Legit. You guys. You guys question stuff. Unbelievable. It, it's always why. Well, why am I doing this? But I love that. You know why? Because that actually backs all these people into a corner in terms of all their SOP being totally outdated. Or not really going towards the goal that they think they should go- be going towards. It's totally incongruent to that. Right. You guys come in with this fresh approach. And then the approach of being way more, I was going to say global, but way more conscious and aware of how everything impacts everything else. Yes. Absolutely. Way more aware than, than the past generations. And when you do that, it just, but the thing is that when you ask why to somebody who's been there for 25 years, 
and they've got their gig going and everything's totally see it's it's like they have their little box and they're mm-hmm. totally cool in their box because they know every single corner of that box. You ask why, which means really what you're asking is why does that box exist? <laughs> you, it freaks them out and they're not going to be happy about it and they'll back them into a corner and you will not carry any favor with that person. So you got to figure out another way to ask why without asking why directly. Exactly. And I think uh, a point to that. Um, so my parents own a business in Las Vegas. So they own a cosmetology school in Las Vegas. And so I, during the summers when I'd come home for college, I would um, work there, you know, just start entry level receptionist, help out with some office management type of stuff, any like tasks, that type of thing. Um, and then I went through cosmetology school for a year. And it was it was interesting because when I went through cosmetology school and everything started to be exposed to me, I remember like going to my parents and asking like, why do we do it like this? Like, mm-hmm. why is mm-hmm. it, you know, this process? And a lot of the, the teachers and their responses was, well, it's always been this way. Oh, great. Right? That, the classic response, yeah. right? And I'm like, well. Because we've always done it this way. Exactly. Oh, God. So it was, it was very eye-opening and awakening to realize and help my parents realize, well, what worked 10 years ago probably doesn't work now. Probably what worked five years ago doesn't work yeah, now. I mean, things move quickly. Well, well, when the information in the technological age came in, when you guys came in, you guys are starting to impact things because you guys are now the biggest generation. And now you're getting into positions of power, like management and ownership and stuff. It's a totally different gig. Totally different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that whole thing about if anybody, if anybody says, because we've always done it this way, really take some inventory at that point yeah. because there's a really good chance you may not be able to, you know, turn the Titanic before it, you know, heads toward the iceberg because it's, it, it may be just, you're entrenched in this, this thing that's been existing for such a long period of time and they just don't want to make any changes that happens so often. And that's the most frustrating thing with the clients that I've dealt with. Yeah. Is the fact that they've gone into the workforce and they've come up against that is the fact that they get into a situation to where they have great ideas and they get into a corporation where they are not open to the new ideas. And they're like, well, then, you know, what the hell? Yeah. If you feel like you can't express your creativity or new ideas, then it's frustrating for us millennials. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you guys bounce. Yeah, and that, and that brings us to the third point. And the third thing I want to talk about is things to focus on uh, in the job to build a strong resume. Because a lot of you guys, more than any other, like the past three or four generations, you guys bounce a lot, and you go from job to job, right? Like yes, you. And I want to talk. I want to talk specifically about your experience too. Yeah. You guys bounce job, and you know, you may be in it for a year or maybe two or whatever the case, and you bounce. Now, back in the day, that used to be not a good thing. Because people, because most of the time resumes were set up to where it was chronological. You'd be at this job and you'd set it up like, you know, from this year to this year and this year to this year, the kind of thing. And a lot of times uh, the HR people or the hiring people would look for, um, you know, long term. So they'd look for tenure at a job and then they look at your skills and all that crap. But I, but it's, that's shifting now. Mm-hmm. And especially because you guys, you guys see that you don't necessarily have to stay in one job in order to benefit from that. And actually, it may be more of a detriment to stay in one job for a long period of time than it is for to bounce and to get into something else. Because really what it comes down to, and, I, and I'm going to, 
uh, put in. There's a great article in themuse.com, and I'm going to link make a link on that. And uh, this is what they say. It, it, if relatively new to the job market or if you've had a few jobs that didn't last very long or if you're applying for a job not directly related to your experience. So let's say you finally want to follow your passion mm-hmm. and you fi- and you were in a job, you know, let's say you work for UPS or something, mm-hmm. but you want to go in and work for a sports network or something mm-hmm. totally unrelated. Right. Then you have to go with a skill based resume because it's a thing now. And that's where things are going. It's skill-based resume. It's not a chronological resume where you say, I was at this job and this job and this job. It's based on the skills that you've acquired mm-hmm. through your jobs and the fact that you've kind of mastered a skill or you've gone through and you needed another challenge or you're just kind of making your way up to where you want to go, and which is great. And HR people, especially uh, millennial HR people, because you, now you guys are in those positions, mm-hmm. they dig that stuff now. And it highlights your experiences and skills rather than goes through the thing. You bounced. Now, what's your experience in that? And what would you say in regards to somebody being in a situation where they've had a number of jobs or they've had a job only for a year right now? Yeah, I can totally relate to that and resonate with it um, in a sense that I guess with my personal story. So um, in college, too, I was a cheerleader and I was the cheer captain for two years. But I think there's kind of right that stigma behind it you get out into the real world and you're like what is being a cheer captain going to help you with Mm -hmm. in life and i remember this like moment in time and it was like right after um, i had graduated and i was applying for jobs in a new city and i remember someone telling me if you can tell a story and relate those soft skills of maybe it's not really like a quote unquote, real career, but the way you present it and tout it and sell it to that employer with those skill sets and assets that you've taken away from that and how to represent a brand, I represent a university, right? Then you can you can relate to an employer in a sense. And, uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. And I realized, yeah. and I, I think at that moment in time, I hadn't really connected the dots, right? So it's like, oh, well, why would I put that on my resume? Like mm-hmm. being a cheer captain is sounds kind of snobby right Mm -hmm. and so well you know it could yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and so um it was that moment in time and realizing and translating those skills of leadership and communication and um just building that team morale and that type of Mm -hmm. thing and selling that leadership yeah leadership obviously huge one yeah um selling that to you know my future employer Mm -hmm. great i mean exactly because that really it's about the skill set and as a employer and as somebody who has had, has had their company and has, and has had to employ people and hire people and go through the interview process, I didn't necessarily pick the one with the, that went to the best school. In fact, I didn't, I didn't even look at that, to be honest with you. And, and whether, and actually whether they went to school or not for me and for, for, I had a real estate uh, investment uh, business and I didn't really, uh, I didn't really look at that. I sized them up based upon who the person was and how their character was and how they interacted with me. Number one, because mm-hmm. that's huge. Yep. Huge. You that's could have, important. you could be the smartest person in the world and have a ton of stuff going on for yourself and be like, you know, brilliant. But if you get in front of me and you, and and you, you're constantly looking at the floor or you're just a social inept, 
then that's not going to work because mm-hmm. you have to work within the business environment with the people and stuff. What I wanted to know was, is somebody that was a, that was relatively confident in what they're doing or, or they were eager to do mm-hmm. something and they were, uh, and they were a good self starter and they didn't me- need me on their ass all the time and they didn't need me to constantly, uh, reaffirm their, uh, you know, to validate them as, as a person, as, as they're going through this stuff. And somebody who actually was open to wanting to learn. So, and that's why you guys are great because if you look at you guys at, at the millennials, you guys want to coach. Mm-hmm. And you, and although you like the affirmation stuff, you guys are also uh, in a position where you guys do want to learn and you do want to expand. And I, and I've said this in a previous show too. I never hired anybody that I thought would stay for me with me for a long time. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think that I feel about myself as a millennial, um, feeling like I want to be a part of something greater than myself, making an impact on people, right? If I feel like I'm just sitting there doing busy work all day, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel impactful. I don't feel like I'm making a difference. And I think that's when you realize like, okay, time to keep moving forward. That's huge. You know, the making a difference thing is like the, is like your, the millennial subtitle. I want to make <laughs> exactly. a difference. And I love it. I absolutely love that because really, if you take like a hundred steps back and look at your life and look at life in general, and and now I'm getting into my philosophy because, you know, my whole uh, origins and philosophy and meaning and stuff. If you do that and you take a look at everything, you're like, well, why the hell do you do anything? Right? True. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, outside of the fact that, and we're going to go back to the, um, to the Maslow hierarchy of needs, which I talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. So let's just say. Yeah, and I'm always going to go back to this because it makes a perfect sense in terms of like every damn show that that I've ever done is it, you, you have your food, you have your shelter, you have all that stuff. You figure that mm-hmm. stuff out and you're okay. You're not living in a box. You got a place and whatever. After all those needs are satisfied, like the needs to survive, then what are you going to do and why? Mm-hmm. And that's a question you have to ask yourself. Why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it just to, to make more money to buy things? Well, if you're okay with that, then great. You'll never be fulfilled, Mm-mm. mind you. But and I don't think a lot of people listening to this show kind of live that life. I think the people that listen to something like this show or who are my clients, they want something more and they want to expand into levels of meaning mm-hmm. and understanding because life can have meaning if you give it meaning. And I think that's important because it's all out, it's after that, you know, the survival stuff. What the hell are you going to do with yourself and why? You have to ask yourself the reason why. That's a great note right there because I just read this book. Recommend it to everyone. It's called Start With Why. So it goes hand in hand to what we're talking about. There you go. Simon Sinek. Um, it's more like on the business end, but I think it, it relates to who you are who you are as an individual. And so, right, you make decisions based off of the reason why. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies directly to like a career path like if you're in a position and it's not your why or moving you towards that why like realize it and step out or keep moving on to something else and that and that's a great that is an that that's a great way to check yourself to see if you're on if you're on the right track because a lot of people the question is am i at the right job or am i am i wasting my time first of all Time is very conceptual and you really, there's really no such thing as wasting time Mm -hmm. because if you have a concept of, am I wasting time? Then you are, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. If you become aware of the fact that you might be, then you, then you're not in a place where you need to be. So then you have to kind of make changes for the record. Simon Sinek, 
not a huge fan of that guy because he bashes millennials. Like, oh, that bashes uh, millennials. And I think that's complete (laughs) bullshit. But maybe the why thing works. I thought it was kind of comical. Yeah. Well, well, it's crap is what it is. (laughs) And I think he did it just to get people to, you know, download his stuff. Yeah. Crap. But if the book's good, then it's good. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disparage all of him and what in his work and stuff just because of one terrible YouTube video because it was terrible. Here, I did the entire show that the entire show, what, what three or four months ago uh-huh. of the millennials changing the world based upon the fact that, that stupid idiot went out there and did that, that YouTube video. Oh, yeah. And was completely wrong. He was completely wrong on everything. Hilarious. <laughs> and the fact that he, that he writes that book is just, it's comical. Yeah, so right. I, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to be open to the book. Just say it. I'm just saying the two things that you guys do all the time, you millennials do all the time is you overthink the room constantly. Yeah. Constantly overthink the room. And, and you keep, you keep thinking that, uh, you keep thinking that you're not where you, you're impatient as hell. So impatient. Which, but both things, ah, you know, whatever. I, I'm not going to uh, fault you on that, but both things get in the way of you guys being in your own flow. Yes. Exactly. And, 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 under, and because you can't overthink the room and you can't constantly uh, think that, uh, you know, that you're not where you need to be and all, and, and you can't, you can't be impatient. And also be in the moment. Very true. You can't be aware and absorb the moment if you have those two things going if on. If you're like dreaming of what it could be. Right. Mm. Because if you dream what it could be, then then the current now, the only reality that exists is just a uh, it's just a dumpster fire, right? Mm. If it's not exactly what you want. But the thing is, is that that's what get that's what messes people up. Yeah. Is it? And so they take it as a as an all or nothing thing. Mm-hmm. As, oh, I'm, I'm here, so I can't have that, or I'm here and I should be there. And then that just, you're just completely screwing your whole uh, flow up. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of stop overthinking the room and just kind of go with it and go right. with your flow and just be cool. God, you're 20 something, 30 something years old for God's sakes. Right. And it's just it's Jeez, living man. in the moment. I think I'm guilty of it too, thinking of. What it could be, right? Sure. Like dreaming of the future. But right, but there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But don't but don't use that as the major thing to to measure your life against. Yeah. It's all like you said, it's all a process. Mm-hmm. So remember you can go to the Surrounded by It's Radio Podcast. You can go to Javabud.com. I post the podcast, I post the videos, and I'm trying to figure out how to post podcast and video on the same post. So I'm, that's my whole, I talked to my webmaster. I'm going to try to do that. It's also going to be, um, you know, anybody that's on the email list that, uh, goes into and gets my freebie, which is the seven, uh, the seven phrases to create, you know, an orgasmic life. That's not the exact word, <laughs> but you know, I just, I made a little worksheet thing about the seven phrases that you really need to say every single day to make your life kick ass. And you can get that. If you go to the website, javabud.com, you can sign up for that. It's super easy. Put your email in there. Then you get it. And then you get on the email list and then you'll get all of the posts of the, uh, when the podcast comes out. So all that stuff is on there. We have, this is the 97th show of the walk of shame slash surrounded by idiots radio podcast, getting up to a hundred and uh, go through. If you have uh, any idea about what you want to learn about, there's, we've pretty much covered a lot of stuff over 97 shows and, uh, and we're going to talk about more stuff too. We're going to get together and talk about, and I want to, and I want to bring Shane on. I want to bring your dude on because he is a, an elite trainer here in town. Yes. 
And, and I've, and I've been a personal trainer for like 20 some odd years as certified. I don't mm-hmm. actively do that now. I kind of incorporate it into my own program, mm-hmm. but I, I'd love to bring him on and have him talk about like maybe three or four or five things that everybody can do like every single day to make sure they get back on track or I get on track everyone, yeah. because everything's connected, right? Yes. You know, physical is connected to mental and emotional. The whole- it's all part of the gig. So, so thanks for being on, Angela. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll bring on. you on, and we'll talk about more stuff. And remember, I told you where everything is. You guys have a good week. We'll talk to you later.